Hi, and welcome aboard to Pentecost Sunday, May 28th, 2023 at St. Peter's United Church of Christ, along with the redheaded preacher of said church. I'm glad you're tuning in, and I am um, just want to express again my gratitude. We will also be acknowledging Memorial Day in uh, the message, as well as in other parts of the service. And wherever you are, wherever your pew is, it might be a car seat, it, you know, driving, you might be, um, you know, at home or somewhere else where you have the opportunity to, uh, to listen. That's your pew right now. And um, I, I pray that you will enjoy and get something out of this uh, message in the scriptures as, uh, as I hope and as I feel. I just finished practicing the message and feel a lot better about it than I did when I wrote it because a lot of preachers like myself often feel like, Uh, there's might be something missing you know and um, there's always going to be something missing you just have to live with that I suppose but I'm I'm much uh, I feel a lot better about this than I than I probably did yesterday uh, after I'd finished it on Friday so that's good news and let's continue with good news by turning now to our scriptures our first reading is from the book of the Acts of the Apostles Chapter 1, verse, verse 14, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Pentecost is a day when many faraway Jews would be in Jerusalem, celebrated as Shavuot, a festival remembering the covenants God made with Noah after the flood, with Abram and Sarah about a new family come nation and homeland, and with Moses and the Israelites on Mount Sinai. But instead of receiving the law, the disciples received the promised Holy Spirit. The reading begins with our last verse we heard last Sunday, verse 14 of chapter 1. It refers to the 11 disciples after Christ had ascended. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as a fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound at, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished they asked, "Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. 
men of Judea, and all who live in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show, and I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here ends the reading of the book of Acts. The gospel lesson is from Resurrection Night, when all but Thomas were present in a locked room, which Jesus penetrated, a brief one, and, a, and one we have not featured on Pentecost for several years, although it is suggested in the lectionary for today. It is John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. When it was, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Here ends the reading of our scriptures for today's service. On Memorial Day, we remember and honor those men and women who died in military service to their country. Some were not combatants, but nurses, medics, or truck drivers. Some were protesters like Crispus Attucks, who was killed by the British regulars in the Boston Massacre the first one to give his life in the American Revolution. But particularly, those who were literally sent out to liberate our country, reunify our country, and free the slaves, to defend this nation or its allies, defeat dangerous tyrants, and help to rebuild or bring relief to places left behind and with the debris of war and starvation and still were killed while doing their duty, we remember on Memorial Day. Along with them, let us remember those who did not die then and there. Some died much later from TBI, traumatic brain injury, overdoses, taking their own lives, and other ways that war can kill you after your service ended. They were all sent out Maybe they enlisted, maybe they got drafted, but they got orders to ship out, taken out of their comfort zones, often at substantial risk. They were on missions of various kinds, and not all came back. 
on Pentecost, the church remembers the first disciples of Jesus being anointed and sent out by the Holy Spirit. They, too, were sent away from their comfort zones on a mission. Many of them lost their lives in the following centuries, and in some countries where Christianity is a marginalized and repressed faith, the magazine Voices of the Martyrs tells of modern-day believers whose witness did cost them and does cost them perhaps their lives, if not their livelihoods. Sent out by the Spirit of God, they were and still are. We are their heirs. Try to imagine living in a time when being baptized was potentially life-threatening. If someone found out and reported you or your faith community to the Roman authorities, some eras and some regions had spies who would report on suspected believers like on their going to church in a way not unlike the Texas law that allows citizens to report on someone traveling to have an abortion or on anyone helping them. The same idea of someone spying and reporting. And yet in the case of the church, the spirit, the spirit of God who sent them out of their comfort zones and into the world, God did not signal a retreat or commission a change to their identity during these times of persecution. And we are their heirs. Let us not carry the name of Christ lightly. Those who died for their faith are our family. Those first disciples were sent out on a mission as they received and were gifted by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came upon the disciples and Scripture says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. Now that was not their idea, nor their human capability. This was all God. This was all God. It was God sending them out, and it was God giving them the gifts they needed to start fulfilling the mission God sent them into. Let me stop there. As our honored dead were sent out on missions by their commanders, and often sacrificed for that, the people of our forebears in faith were also sent out by none other than God. The people of Pentecost, with no apparent resemblance to the Blues Brothers, were on a mission from God. God's mission was their mission. And to this day, God's mission is the church's mission. God's mission is our mission. And it can be easy to turn that around and not notice it. If someone were to say, well, our mission is God's mission, it might mean the right thing. But it can also become an opening to equate the church with God, which is not the right thing. I believe our mission at St. Peter's to help feed those with food insecurity, a la through the mini pantry, and our turns at a Just Harvest's kitchen is God's mission also. But we must be careful. If you remember the saying of Abraham Lincoln, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. That tells you the confusion that can happen. So let's stick with God's mission is our mission. And now we know what God's mission was on the day of Pentecost. 
to fill the disciples with the Spirit so they would bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the Jewish listeners in Jerusalem. It was not just about Jesus first. At the beginning, Luke reported the amazement in their, the amazement that in these unexpectedly native tongues, the disciples were speaking about God's deeds of power. And our passage climaxes with Simon Peter quoting from the prophet Joel. He claimed that's what was going on, the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus, in faith, was fulfillment of prophecy and scriptures pointing to the Messiah, Moshiach. The deeds of power then, which were before Simon Peter's preaching, were perhaps part of that backdrop and buildup. This is what I mean. One writer said the mighty deeds of God were those that, quote, formed the Jewish narrative of salvation. From the creation in Genesis, through the liberation of the Exodus, uh, the revelation of the law at Mount Sinai, surviving the wilderness, arrival in the promised land, etc., And then add the New Testament and the oral stories about Jesus, as Peter will do. And the writer continued, the whole point of the Acts passage is to link the extraordinary event in the nascent Christian community, the just birthing Christian community, with the long history of salvation of the Jews. End quote. So that was the original mission, to preach Jesus as the fulfillment of Jewish prophecy and their salvation story, to present him as God's Moshiach. Now, that does not sound like it's God's mission for St. Peter's in this time and place, or for very much of Christianity, since not many of us evangelize our Jewish friends, relatives, and neighbors. There has been, history teaches us, sadly, too much forced and threatened with violence conversions of Jews to Christianity centuries ago to hint at any Christian crusading like that again. Not to say that one-on-one conversations are bad. There, you and I can take a bunch of things from this part of Acts, even as that original mission is most likely not God's mission for us in 2023. So to borrow a phrase as we ponder Pentecost, what does this mean? What is God's mission for us now? Where and how does God want to send us outward? Which comfort zones might the Lord want you and me to leave, even if temporarily? Well, first, let us not forget the spreading the good news part. This is part of what we are called to do, what we do do in various ways, and which only Christ's church is going to do. There is no other organization or set of people or movement sent out by God the Spirit to let the world know about the love of God in Jesus Christ but the church. To teach the values of the kingdom, which contrary to some distorted versions of our faith, have nothing to do with what country we live in, nor support white supremacy. To show love for one another and for the world, sacrificially as the early and current church has done. To point the way to Jesus, the embodiment of grace and service and forgiveness, God-centeredness and everlasting life. 
As one-time minister, CMA, as one-time CMA minister, the Reverend Abraham de Jesus said, sometimes we have to name the name, meaning name the name of Jesus. Spreading the word by humble examples and identification through love and welcome, and yes, sometimes naming the name, and not by obnoxiousness, aggressiveness, self-righteousness, or judgmentalism. And that is one foundation of God's mission, one foundation to the answer to the question, what does this mean? It means we are, as Paul said, ambassadors for Christ. Not by our own power, not by our own calling, but God the Spirit at work in us as individuals and as a community, as a worldwide church. Another answer to what does this mean as we open ourselves to the Spirit's anointing, like Pentecost, is that the church, following God's mission, leaves its comfort zone. Those disciples must have left that upper room and hit the streets to reach the crowds. Presumably they were stunned to find themselves speaking other languages that they didn't know, which Jewish pilgrims from other countries did understand, and then they were out of their comfort zone also by speaking these unfamiliar songs to complete strangers. Remember, this is not long removed from not only Jesus' own trial and crucifixion, but also the threats to kill Jesus after he revivified Lazarus. They were putting their very lives into the hands of God, and so God's mission required them to vacate a safe spot they thought they could manage and control. Leaving a comfort zone, a secure place, is a huge deal for those of us who did not major in courage, nor find it, easily. We are all taught to value security of several kinds, and most of us are taught, take it easy. Do not rock the boat. Don't take risks. But if the Spirit's mission dictates otherwise, then that's our mission. Because God's mission is our mission. And what has helped me, and I've mentioned this in a minister's desk before and in private conversations, This book has been a big help to me in helping to learn about faith and courage and help find some of my own obstacles. It's by John Ortberg. It's almost 10 years old. It's called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. And sometimes it's not even just to walk on water that we need to get out of the boat. And the boat has a lot of things to recommend it, but... So, that book was a very important one for me to read. But it's good, you know, when we do screw our courage to the sticking place. Think of all the persons you know, and perhaps your own self, who overcame doubt and fear to take a chance, to move out of the secure zone, to be true to your higher calling, and discovered, after you did this, that you were richly blessed because you did, and only because you did. It's often a matter of faith as well as bravery. And your faith is made stronger when you follow the call to step out and you thrive as a result. You see, God had a reason for that call, and it was validated. Your courage was vindicated. It helped you and me 
helps you and me to consider also that God, if it says that's a one-on-one thing, uh, and you're kind of afraid of having to do it, it, remember God may be preparing that other person or church or whoever is at the other end of the situation that intimidates us, that unexpected good may come out of it. Because God's also working over there. We think it's all about us. God equips us through the Holy Spirit and emboldens us through the same way. But God may also be preparing the way before us. If Mary stayed too afraid, resistant to Gabriel's visit about a sacred pregnancy in God's design, would we have had Jesus? If the disciples had been able to stay put and keep their mouths closed on Pentecost, none of us would be here today. If Ananias had been too frightened to obey God's command to go to Saul of Tarsus, blinded by an encounter with the risen Christ on the Damascus Road, and tell him to go to Saul and tell him to receive his sight as Ananias was to lay his hands on him. And Ananias said, you know, he's our enemy. You want me to do this? But he did go. And if he hadn't, would we have the writings of Paul, which is most of the New Testament? If King and Abernathy and John Lewis and Andrew Young and countless others been too afraid to march and risk being attacked and arrested and worse time and again, would the 64 Civil Rights Bill and the 65 Voting Rights Act have passed? If courage had been present, would the assault rifle ban have been allowed to sunset, as happened in 2004, after which mass killings began to escalate? What does this mean? It means God's mission. God's mission is our mission. It's ultimately about pointing to Jesus and the realm of God. It often means trusting God enough to follow God's call to leave our comfort zones for that mission, whatever it is for a church or ourselves. The Spirit will guide us. The Spirit will prepare the way for us. And lastly for this morning, it also means using the right methods to do the mission. The question, what does this mean, was asked because of the cacophony and the miracle of all these Galileans talking in foreign languages that the visiting Jews understood about the mighty acts of God. They did understand because the disciples, under the power of the Spirit, were able to speak in ways that made sense, that reached them the intended recipients of the message. Well, during the course of unfolding months later this year and maybe part of next, we will be encouraged and urged to offer our thoughts on St. Peter's purposes and mission. It is a period that calls for discernment, and that's a spiritual activity for a congregation. Who is our neighbor? Who is God calling us to become? And when we discern the mission or missions, what are the ways we need to let others know? How will God's mission, our mission, be communicated in ways that will speak to those we hope to reach? We're already here, a visible and historic location at Oakton and Laramie. We use Facebook, email, ads on Skokie Patch, worship on YouTube, 
uh, via live stream, the weekly podcast, and other digital means that Laura and others make use of. Are there other ways that we can do love that will continue to reach folks, help folks, and we pray attract them to Christ? If not, continue to reach folks, reach others not yet reached. Well, what are our surroundings telling us? As the Spirit enabled the disciples long ago, let us be open to, if we need, different ways. The Spirit enables St. Peter's to do love and faith in ways that speak to others not yet familiar. Let us be so open and courageous and spirit-receiving and spirit-driven, discerning together what God's mission is, because God's mission is our mission, and employing the gifts the Spirit gives to carry it out in ways which really speak to the hearts of others, that will connect with them, that will be accessible to them, and to which they can respond. Well, that is a wrap for Pentecost. I know this message was a little bit what I would call an average length for a sermon. When I was growing up, I figured, and my mom agreed, she said the same thing, that a sermon should be about 20 minutes. And that, I think, in those days was more the expectation. And this one came close. And last ones came close. Um, to me, that means there's a, a, at least the ideal is that means there's a lot of substance, not a lot of filler. Uh, the last two have also come to me pretty hard. They've been a lot of mental work. Um, and I'm not complaining because if one person finds value and an opportunity for growth in what they hear, well, that's kind of the point to draw people closer to God, to Christ, and to their faith. And, uh, you know, I did get some positive feedback in worship after the service today. So, um, you know, and you trust God, you know, you put your work into something and it's, you know, human perfections are in it as well as I always pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit before I begin preparing any sermon. So you trust God that no matter what you might think or feel about something that you've prepared in God's service, that God will bless it at least to some people. And that's good enough for me. Because as I've said before, and I'll say again, when God uses you to bless somebody else, does it get any better than that? God used you to bless somebody else. I hope that's the case. You find that to be the case for you this week, if not this weekend, whenever you get a chance to listen to this. And so I'll conclude our uh, outro by, A, thinking that next week should be shorter because we're celebrating communion. And may God bless you. May God bless you to bless others. And may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms 
by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much 